a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. 2.20 is the time here in the KSL Newsroom. There are some challenges to working in a a newsroom. There are challenges to being like in this business. Uh, One of them is... Well, listen, let me, I don't want to start by complaining. It's a beautiful business to be in. It's wonderful. You get to speak with the community all the time. Uh, you and I get to hang out here for, uh, you know, hours and hours every afternoon. I get to speak with big uh, news-making people. It's a wonderful, wonderful blessing, and I am grateful for it every day. Uh, but there is one thing that, that, that sometimes gets to me, and it weighs on my mind, and it is uh, there are a handful of stories that uh, you, you can swap out geography, you can swap out the names of uh, victims and perpetrators, but the story remains the same. Uh, one of them that always leaves me uh, with my head just hanging and my heart broken is uh, when some young child uh, dies at the hand of mama's boyfriend. You know, you know those stories? Uh, blunt force trauma is often the uh, the case. And... Mama's boyfriend was left in charge, and uh, for whatever reason, uh, poor little baby didn't make it through the day. When I hear stories like that, uh, it, uh, it absolutely infuriates me and breaks my heart. Even more so now, I believe, that I'm a father myself. Young children are precious. Those who deserve and demand protection ought to be protected. Another such storyline that comes up from time to time that leaves me uh, heartbroken and sad uh, is is similar to the story we're going to discuss here in just a moment. And it is whenever there are arrests at massage parlors and you see the mugshots afterwards and the photographs of the, uh, the suspects arrested, you often learn, too, that there was also involved uh, sex trafficking and exploitation. And those who are behind these types of schemes are absolutely foul. And those who fall victim to these types of human traffickers, uh, their lives, I think about them, I try to think about their families, and my heart breaks. And often as these stories play out, especially in the beginning stages, it's difficult to sort out who who are the good guys and who are the bad guys. Who are the victims and who are the victimizers? Anyway, uh, so it is that there is another story like this making headlines, developing day after day. And it was uh, KSL News Radio's Paul Nelson that just last week uh, broke this big story. He joins me now to give us an update from the beginning uh, on how things have fared thus far and what we are learning today. Paul, welcome to the program, sir. How are you? Um, I am well. Thanks for having me again. Yeah. Uh, take us back to, was it last Thursday when you first became aware of something in Bruin and, and learned that uh, an arrest of this magnitude was being made? Yeah, we got a tip from somebody. A KSL got a tip from somebody who was saying that uh, a certain massage parlor, the Little Rainbow Massage Parlor in Orem, was being raided. Now, uh, we went to go down uh, to check it out. 
And it was quite odd because once I got there, you could see no uh, marked police cars. There wasn't crime scene tape or anything. Nobody was being backed away. So at first it looked like as if nothing was really happening. Maybe the tip was a bust. So uh, just to check it out, I opened the door of the parlor, and there I see a, a good half a dozen, uh, you know, raiding police officers that are still collecting, that were in the process of collecting evidence. And that's when we knew, oh, absolutely, this place was being raided. And um, there were so many different groups of uh, law enforcement agencies that were actually working together to kind of bring this, uh, to, to put the raids all together. And after that, we learned that that particular massage parlor was one of four different parlors that were being raided. And after that, we learned that six people were arrested, five women who worked at the parlors and one man who apparently was uh, transporting these workers to and from one particular house in Linden. And so that's what we figured out was happening on Friday. But we did know that the investigation was going to keep on going. Um, one of the people that was taken into custody was one person that they clearly identified as a victim. They say that this woman was a just purely a victim of human trafficking. Um, and so they took her to get the resources for help and get the resources that, that she would need. However, uh, it, we learned today that the reach of these criminal organizations is actually uh, – it, it, it reaches pretty far – and it turns out that this woman was still being threatened even after she was taken to a place where she can get help. Uh, she apparently got a call from uh, somebody who might have been her boss saying, you are going to continue to do this. You are going to leave that place. And if you don't, we're going to hurt your family back in China. So that's uh, the, the latest accusation that happened. But they found out they found this woman and two others that were actually at Salt Lake International at the airport. Um, as they were ready to uh, escort her to basically make her leave Utah and go to Chicago. I, I didn't realize that, that one of the three arrested today or the three that were taken into custody, one of them was this this uh, this potential victim. Yeah, they did take her. Uh, they, they booked her on a misdemeanor charge, but they also I just got off the phone with American Fork Police. They say they have literally zero interest in charging her with anything. They did that uh, to kind of just make sure that they could get her away sure. from the other two. So it's it's not that she is facing any trouble because, again, they say she is one of the, she is just a victim in this whole scenario. We, we hear stories and you may have heard my lead into this. We hear stories like this uh, periodically all the time across the country. Uh, as you've spoken with law enforcement, does it appear or have you picked up any sense that it may be uh, here in Utah even uh, an even larger operation than what has been taken down thus far? I believe that this case is going to keep unraveling and find more layers of uh, people who are connected to this kind, this prostitution and trafficking ring. For example, I don't believe that they actually knew that their bosses, uh, that this uh, the people that were running this were had any connection to Chicago whatsoever. Matter of fact, I asked them, are there other uh, parlors along the Wasatch Front? And they said, well, for now, uh, these were the ones that we could find. They could have let the investigation go on, but, that, but then they realized there was a trafficking victim in the situation. And that's when they said, well, we can't really wait anymore. So we're going to continue our investigation. We're going to keep looking into you know, how connected this, these four parlors are to others that are out there. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, just the, 
I asked him, so is this going to be a federal investigation? And he said, well, we already had the feds helping out before. So they, um, it, it could be possible that this becomes big enough that they're going to have to hand it over to uh, the FBI. But for right now, they're still trying to find out just how big this is. There was a, a man arrested on, uh, on Thursday. W- what do we know about the man? Uh, he was arrested for uh, – he was the guy who apparently was the transport. Um, he was taking these women uh, to and from the, the parlors that, that were connected with this. And one of the sad things that I didn't know before is that most of the women who were working in these parlors – not necessarily allowed to leave. They're controlled. Their movement is controlled so tightly that the vast majority of them live in the parlors where they're where they're at. Sometimes they're allowed to go to one specific house, and this one was in Linden. But for the most part, they stay there, and their movement is controlled. They're threatened with uh, you know harm to their families or humiliation in some cases. Some of the arrest records that I saw last week pointed out how just family respect and family honor in China is a very big deal. And they were using that against these women saying, if you do not continue to do exactly what you're doing, we're going to tell your family what you're doing over here. And that will, and just to avoid the humiliation, they went along with it. So this, this is very, it seems like a situation where it starts off as these, many of these uh, workers, uh, they're victims themselves, but they get so caught up and they get so you know trapped in that line of work they become perpetrators also so it's it just seems like it's a a repeating cycle of just people being trapped in a situation they don't want to be in a terrible heartbreaksome ugly evil vicious cycle uh ksl news radio reporter paul nelson sir thanks a lot for covering this uh stay on this all right this is this is heartbreaking stuff and uh, it's important that justice be done here and that uh the full scope of uh, this criminality be understood and that those uh, who are victims who may on paper right now uh, appear to be perpetrators, but uh, but they if they started out as victims, uh, that ought to be understood by all involved and justice ought to uh, be understanding of that. Thanks again, Paul, for your reporting. Absolutely. All righty. Man, man, that breaks my heart. Imagine being taken from your home, sent thousands of miles away, to do unspeakable things. And you're a prisoner all the while. Man, I hope uh, everything works out for these, and I am rooting for those in law enforcement who are working on behalf of the victims here, and I hope those responsible feel the full measure of justice. Quick break. We're going to take a look at Salt Lake City School Districts returning to the classroom thanks to the vaccine. That's next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office to meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. 
That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.